Hi everyone, my name is Natalie Ledwell and this is The Inspiration Show. Uh, today on the show, I have a my special guest is actually um, an interesting woman who's written a new book uh, called uh, Falling for the Stars, A Stunt Girl's Tattle Tales. She's worked in the movie industry for many years and she's sharing her uh, inspirational story and insights that she learned along the way working in such an, an indus interesting industry. Uh, but before we get into that, let me just remind you that if you are watching this show on YouTube, that you uh, click the link below after watching the show so you can go through and do my 30 second quiz uh, so we can figure out what's blocking you from success. And of course, if you're watching this on mymovies.com, if you want to um, just leave your email, we can send you with the Manifesting with a Master's video or e-course. So please um, let me introduce uh, Lisa Loving Dalton. How are you, Lisa? I'm very good, Natalie, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I'm so looking forward to uh, to getting into some of the, uh, the, the, the juicy part of our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, you've worked with some incredible celebrities in your time from Meryl Streep and Robert Redford and uh, Robert Williams. Like the, the, there was such a long list. I can't even go through them all. Um, but uh, what I love and the reason that you're here on the show is because you have such an inspiring story. Because, you know, as every successful story, it's not like it's a, it's a clear road to success. You know, there's always some things that we learn about ourselves and some life lessons that we learn along the way. So uh, why don't we start initially with, uh, with your story and how... You know, how you got into working in the film industry? I was always, as a child, extraordinarily clumsy and klutzy. And um, I also sort of had this frustration about being limited to what a girl was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So I, I, as early as kindergarten, was sort of knocking the boys off the top of the jungle gym, but waiting to make sure I had an audience when I did it. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, I was kind of a brat. Yes, my my kindergarten teacher tried to flunk me and I did get suspended in first grade. Um, but that sort of precociousness and tomboyness and desire for an audience uh, continued to grow in me. And um, my clumsiness led me to have to be able to fall and not hurt and kill myself. <laughs> and as I went into theater in high school and then college, I, tended toward the athletic side of the theater. So I wound up in the avant-garde world, um, mime, gymnastics, stage combat, and puppetry, stilts, unicycle, all those sort of very physical theater things, and pursued a, an acting career in New York in the avant-garde theater world, which kept all, my, all those physical skills up. But at a certain point, I sort of realized that it was never going to generate me a living. <laughs> and so I was waiting tables and I got hired by the um, customers of mine who happened to be the producers of The Edge of Night. And it was a uh, soap opera, long running soap opera. And they needed an athletic uh, actress who could be a recruit in the police academy doing dive roles and things like that. So uh, that's how I got my union cards. And then uh, a couple years later, I saw the opportunity to be a stand in on a movie, which uh, a stand in stands in the place of the star when they're fixing the lighting and everything else. Mm -hmm. So that was for Tina Louise who was Ginger in Gilligan's Island. Oh. <laughs> uh, 
So our uh, red hair and height were a match. And um, during that, there was also an actress named Julie Haggerty. And uh, people might know her from Airplane. She was the flight attendant. Oh, Ted. <laughs> and um, I also photo doubled her. And she was kidnapped in this story. So I spent a lot of time in the backseat of the vehicle that kidnapped her which was driven by the stunt coordinator playing one of the kidnappers and an unknown actor named Ed O'Neill, who turned out to be Al Bundy and his unmattered family. Yes. Um, and so I sort of badgered the stunt coordinator until finally by the end of the movie shoot, they needed three stunt women at the same time and there weren't very many women available. So I got hired on that. And then he referred me to something else and that sort of led to my career. Right. So, um, so was it always your intention to be a stunt woman or what was your, what was your, what was your dream or your vision in the beginning? My, my dream was to be an actress. And I thought that doing stunts because I was doing physical theater and it got me a lot of physical theater acting opportunities that, the stunt work would help me get some acting opportunities because it's very smart for a producer to hire an actor who can do their own stunts. The problem is that if you do that, you really need to wait till the very end of the shoot for any stunts to happen because if that star does their own stunts or that character does their own stunts and they get hurt, you can't finish the movie. So the purpose of the stunt player is to take the dings instead of, you know, a key player. So I didn't really understand why productions were reluctant to hire, especially for those what they call nondescript jobs where you're just the person on the street who gets robbed and thrown down to the ground or something like that. You're not really a character in the story. You have two lines, no, no, don't do that. And then you're thrown down or, you come upon a, a kidnapping and you get shot as you run away, um, those sorts of things. Why couldn't I be the actor? But I, I understand more now with that. But I thought it would help me and I was good at it. And I, I really liked, I loved meeting all the stars and uh, hang, being on the sets. And I loved the physical challenge, the sort of scientific perspective of figuring out trajectory and speed and angles and trying to understand how this gag, as they call stunt jobs, would work and then prepare for it and then execute it. To me, that, that was a real craft. Right. And so, um, so what was it like being a woman in such a, a male-dominated world? You know, I ran up against a lot of misogyny a lot of times. When I started, we were still just trying to get women to be the people who doubled other women. There were a lot of small male gymnasts wearing wigs. Mm -hmm. And so we, we fought with the unions to get that in place where women were at least first offered, a qualified woman was sought. The uh, other big thing was that I was very happily married and most of the women that did get in were sleeping with or born from a woman who was sleeping with a mm -hmm. stuntman. Um, they wanted to just sort of keep it in the family. And 
in many cases, any reasonably athletic woman who was shown the tricks could in fact do the job. So, and stuntmen tended to attract athletic women. So uh, it, it was hard for me. And I will absolutely confess, my husband and I agreed that I could flirt <laughs> with <Wow>. the stuntmen. <laughs> uh, we were both very confident in our marriage. So uh, I did, in fact, flirt with the stuntmen. At one point, I did get sort of cornered in an elevator. I had to make it very clear this was not going to happen. Mm. Uh, that person never hired me again. Um, you know, those, these are the kind of things I ran into. Yeah. So what do you think are some of the, the gifts or, or life lessons that you that you learned from being part of a, an industry like this that can be so, um, looked, it, when we look at it from the outside looking in, we, we sort of glorify it. We sort of go, wow, this is amazing thing. But, but what was it like for you and what were some of the lessons, life lessons that you learned from that? Uh, a couple of things. One was many of the stars that I worked with were incredibly generous of spirit and of particular note, Cher and Madonna and um, Meryl Streep. And, and one doesn't always think of these stars as being very human. And um, both Cher and Madonna, I mean, Cher and Meryl extended themselves on my behalf. And, um, that was that was incredibly generous so to appreciate that the stars are human and uh, we as a society are often very hard on our stars and that can send a lot of our stars into a lot of trauma hmm. that the society doesn't really realize so we we love our icons and so why we are so hard on them um i think when we lose them through bad behavior we need to ourselves take a look at how we've contributed to that uh, by buying trashy magazines and by um, watching stupid things that are um, dehumanizing mm. and uh, supporting that sort of salacious kind of behavior. Another thing was I, I was very severely injured um, in my 10th year of doing stunts and I had gotten the hint many times that I was supposed to stop and that I was supposed to pursue my teaching and my acting and I didn't. I was egotistically trapped in the money and in being a top stunt woman and I leapt tall buildings and I crashed motorcycles on cue and uh, you know I did things that very few people let alone women in the world will ever do and so there was an egotistical high about that and I I ignored the signs from the universe um, finally my husband just begged me to quit and and I did for six months and then I got asked to do one more and I wound up with a 46% permanent loss of use of my back. And for the following years was in chronic pain and had to learn all these alternative approaches to functioning, which through metaphysics, quantum physics, the science, the athletics, et cetera, revealed to me all the 
hidden elements of Michael Chekhov's acting technique that I had become a teacher of. And then I wound up traveling all over the world in Moscow, London, Berlin, Paris, Brussels. I made a documentary that Gregory Peck narrated on the subject. And uh, what I do now is I mentor teachers and actors um, in Michael Chekhov's very healthy, freeing, fun approach to peak performance. And I developed uh, because I used it to heal myself. So I, I have my life coaching clients and I have clients who have illnesses and imbalances and things. And so I didn't listen. The universe smacked me upside the head. I recommend that people listen. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. The, <laughs> signs. That's the biggest life lesson. Listen to the signs. Don't crash into a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I know you're doing this incredible work now and, and of course you've got the book. So tell me a little bit more about the book. Um, what, what's in it? Is it is it, you know, stories of, you know, encounters that you had within the industry or, you know, what, what, what's the, what are the stories that we have in there? Yeah, I got um, my book right here mm -hmm. and um, it is a it's a bunch of chapters that go through the various uh, about 40 different films and it's got quite a few pictures in it okay. and I also have a crossword puzzle and I have Dalton's dictionary which is a biased film glossary because um, it's there are terms that people not in the industry might not understand so there are there are um, some funny descriptions in some cases uh, op very opinionated uh, things in there and um, as it's got the picture of this is Cher uh, and myself and um, so just about every single chapter has a little life lesson in it some are really fluffy and and you do see that arc of uh, of my own struggle as an insecure actress aspiring and needing and wanting and then eventually coming to the realization and learning my big lessons and ultimately transforming my life so uh it kind of brings us up to well here is where my uh th this was the good gr the great gift out of all of this and uh got another book coming out that will go more into how i experienced my acting career which i was fortunate to have um a, a very full acting career following my um, injury. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, is there a is a story or something that you can share with us that was that really made you know out of all the years that you worked in the industry that really made a great impression on you? Um, well, I do think it's uh, the Meryl the Meryl Streep uh, story. I was working on a film that was in reshoots. It was called Still of the Night with Roy Scheider and it was a thriller with Meryl Streep. And so it was six months later after the film had been shot and uh, we were doing some reshoots to, I guess, make it more scary. And I was uh, both photo doubling Meryl and, um, uh, and another actress and I was sitting in the makeup room next to Meryl Streep having you know, a girl chatting with the makeup artist and she was so lovely. And the producer came in and asked if he could uh, pick my brain about a stunt. And he wanted to know about doing a high fall about 15 feet, a belly flop about 15 feet 
down and how would I set it up? And I explained, you use boxes at that level, it's too high, too low for an airbag and uh, how to rig it. And he said, would you do it? And I said, would I set it up? And he said, well, would you set it up and would you do the fall? And I said, sure, just, you know, let's create a contract, a proper contract for it. And he said, okay. And I, he sent me back to makeup. So I continued chatting with Meryl. And then a production assistant comes in and, and, and tries to convince me that I should do this for a few hundred extra dollars and not a contract. And I was very mortified that, this, you know, I'm having now to fight for my rights um, as a performer and endangering my health, my life. And they don't want to agree to a contract and provide proper things for that. And I'm so I kind of take the conversation outside and have to stand up for myself, which is very scary because you can get blackballed when you stand up for yourself. But I didn't care because, you know, it was wrong and you have to take a stand. So um, when I went, uh, they eventually came to me and said, okay, we're ready to go. Here's your contract. And by then, Meryl had already been wrapped for the day. And so I did the fall. Everything went great. And as I was leaving, the makeup artist came over to me and she said, I just want you to know that Meryl made sure you had your contract before she left. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes we forget that, uh, you know, the actors, are, they're, they're people, they're humans. They're, you know, they're regular people that just have this awesome job that uh, we seem to have this sometimes a skewed, um, you know, view of, but, uh, but they're regular people too. Well, uh, Lisa, it's been so awesome having you on the show. Um, if people want to connect with you or get their hands on the book, where can we send them to do that? Yes, my website, lisadalton.com, is a great resource. It has on there some free chapters that you can get from the book, and uh, you can like download the crossword puzzle, stuff like that. It's actually got a free MP3 that talks about using these acting exercises for human health. It's got links to my YouTube channels, Lisa Dalton's YouTube channel. and. Uh, Amazon.com has the book. It was a, an Amazon bestseller, so I'm very excited about that. And it's on available as an ebook and paperback. So LisaDalton.com also has my workshops. I have a, one upcoming. Uh, I offer two big workshops a year in the winter and the spring. So. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, yeah. thanks again for joining me. Now, guys, I encourage you to share this video. You can do that by clicking the Facebook and the Twitter share buttons on this page. Uh, and don't forget, uh, now that the, the show is towards the end, after the show's finished, just click on the link below if you're on YouTube so you can do the 30-second quiz to see what's holding you back from success. And if you're watching on mymovies.com, make sure you leave your email so we can send you the Manifesting with a Master's video e-course. So until next time, remember to live large, Choose courageously and love without limits. We'll see you soon.